0: Hey you guys, Tyson Popplestone here. You're listening to the Relax Running Podcast. I'm your host. Um, you've picked a good day to stop by today. We've got the great man from Western Australia, Rambo, big Matt Ramsden. He's a 335 runner for 1500. He's run 745 for 3k. He's looking like a really good shot to qualify for the Olympics next year. And his name's come up in a number of conversations I've had on here. From some top athletes, I was excited to to sit down and pick his brain, his training, his progress, his little secrets that he can let us in on to improve our own performance. Uh, he doesn't let us down. We also get a little bit of in, insight, a little bit a little bit of behind the scenes with his training group that you don't often see on Instagram, which was a little bit of fun. So, um, man, this is a this was a fun conversation. Hey, I know I've told you for the last couple of weeks, and quite a few of you are on board now, but we've got the relaxed running members. Area that you guys can join now. What is the members area? Well, we've got a member only podcast now, with we've got six podcast episodes up there. We've got Brett Robinson talking about how to improve your marathon, Jess Trengov or Stenson sharing uh, balancing mum life with marathon training. Liam Adams goes into how we can work full time and train consistently. Got Andrew Weeding, who's a two time Olympian. 330 1500 meter runner uh, running physiotherapist Dane Verway, and now as of last week Aussie record holder Ryan Gregson. and I sit down for a 75 minute chat and that was a that was a bloody insightful conversation I uh, I had a great time with him it was the first time that we'd ever really spoken apart from saying g'day here and there at, at track meets but man, he's a he was a great guy a lot of insight a uh, really well thought out guy very simple approach to training and uh, it was a real a real great conversation to sit down and have with him. So uh, if you want to jump on board with that, you can get it all for only five bucks a month at the moment uh, at relaxrunning.com/join. You'll also get uh, access to our experts' library, which we've just added. Running physiotherapist Dane Verway's thirty-minute Pilates session, which is uh, a real activation session for our glutes and our core and our legs and a lot of the lazy muscles that we just don't get a chance to activate much. So that's all coming together really nicely. So if you want to take advantage of that cheap rate, uh, do so now because uh, it's only going to be as the uh, membership is getting up and running and starting to get some real hot content in there that it's going to be that cheap. But you'll never pay more no matter how much the prices so go up. So that's relaxedrunning.com/slash join the last thing i wanted to tell you is that this episode is brought to you by rundy's undies athletic underwear now let me tell you a little bit about these undies so until about a week ago i had been talking based on reputation i'd heard a thing or two about it i heard they're a good product but here's the thing got a couple of pairs in the mail last week jesse got a g-string i haven't tried it on yet i've just been wearing mine apparently the g-string is comfortable let me tell you about my experience if you ever get those jocks you guys probably have the same trouble you know you're getting those jocks you're trying to do your hill sprints and they're just way too small around the front you guys all get that it's just not enough it's got not enough room do you ever get that me either i was just i was trying to brag and it's a blatant lie I shouldn't lie to the audience but i i did get a couple of pairs and i've been trying them and i did some hill sprints in it the uh, the other day they are they are comfortable you know how sometimes you get that those cotton undies. It's just a bit sweaty, a bit gross. You, you get a bit, it's uncomfortable by the end of the run. You know what it mean. Hey, it's running stuff. We've all been there. Don't worry. Don't be self-conscious. It's fine. You don't get that with these. And there's a special deal going for you. Let me tell you about it. They started this brand in 2015, all right, by Jess Trengove, now Stenson. She started with her husband, Dylan, her brother, Jack. And let me tell you what I know to be true now based on my own experience. They're smooth, breathable, supportive, and feature soft bamboo fabric in the, you know, the gusset, which we speak about every week. It's a a real supportive little experience. They've got men's and women's ranges. They've got jocks, trunks, briefs, crop tops, and the new running G-String. So if you want to get your hands on that, there's a 30% discount if you use the coupon code RELAX, all in capitals, R-E-L-A-X. 30. You can get whatever you want on there for 30% off. Just visit rundies.com.au. Let me get out of the way. That's enough. I'm going to introduce the great man from Western Australia, Matt Rambo Ramston. <music> As a start point, I've got to hear it because uh I've I've realized that my podcast has turned into a little bit of a Melbourne truck club uh podcast in terms of the the members and stuff that I'm going through and everyone's so friendly about each other. I just wanna I wanna start somewhere different today and I just need the, the main man Rambo himself to tell me who's the worst training partner in the whole group to train with. Oh,
1: that's that's <laughs> rough. I'd have to i have to think outside the box. Um I think Lockie Barb would be up there because he um he, for starters, doesn't really do the long reps with the guys, so he's no help. And then often when he is fit enough, you'll see him like pull out halfway through to stretch his hamstring or something. So, <laughs> but he's he's kind of like our mascot. Like we love having him around. It's not that he's um a terrible bloke, just he's probably no use because he's <laughs> like 800, 400 type of guy. Um, so, until we get him real fit, <laughs> he'd probably be the bottom of the list for us.
0: <laughs> so good, man. I had, um, uh, oh, who was I talking to the other day? Uh, Jack Bruce. I had Jack Bruce on here, and he was laughing, man, because towards the end of the podcast, he, he just started firing shots at, uh, at little Geordie Williams. And he's like, mate, the king of banter, and it was so refreshing just to hear someone slam one of their training members. I thought, okay, I know it's so easy on a podcast just to be all polite and friendly. I'm like, I've got to get the real story here because surely there's some there's some actual goss going on. So lockie has been thrown under the butt. I might have to get him on and uh, and try and get him to to throw some other boys under the butt. It's going to be a weekly thing, I reckon.
1: Whenever I have an MTC crew on here, yeah, for sure. I reckon you'll get a different answer from everyone. Um, But yeah, it just depends on like. Like, training-wise, it's how much you get use out of that person. Like, a lot of guys would probably say me because I'm a shit trainer. <laughs> so they might just say, nah, Rams is no good either. So, yeah, it could change every week.
0: What do you mean you shit in the sense that yeah, you don't rock up
1: to training sessions or you just race a lot better than you train? Uh, no, I rock up to everything, but I definitely race um way better than I train. Like, often you'll see me probably training at a level lower than – um like Jack Bruce. Um and then I can beat him in like national five K or like nothing I did in training showed that I should beat him at the National Five K Champs. Um and nothing I've really done showed that I should have won like the Australian mile champs when I did against Gregor. He was going a lot better than me. So um yeah sometimes I can wing it um but maybe I I've started to think I just train at a bit lower level than what I race and I just got to accept that. But I definitely think that annoys some of the guys in the group so yeah.
0: <laughs> man, you definitely take that any day of the week. You'd want to be a better racer than a trainer because man in my <clears throat> I haven't competed for about five years or so, but I, I ran with plenty of blokes. I'm not going to throw them under the bus, but there's so many names of blokes who are the king of training sessions you get down on race day and they can't run as fast as what they did in training. Has that been a, a pretty common thing for you all through your career? Or have you noticed if you've, you've deliberately sort of backed off your training efforts so you can you know really shine on
1: race day? Um, no, I think I try real hard in training, but I'm just like, no good. I don't know why. Um, I've like throughout my junior career, i trained a lot of stuff. solo. like I had a group, but, um, I'd be off doing reps on my own. Um, cause I was a little bit better than the guys in my group. And I joined MTC and, um, just ever since I joined them, I realized I trained like at a much lower level than, um, the, the guys that were around me in races, um, and then i kind of when i started thinking it was a problem i asked um bidders and he said no nah, you like shouldn't really worry like as you get older you'll the gap will um get smaller between like training and racing and he said one guy that was like that was monoghetti he always trained a lot worse than he raced so i guess it's not a bad thing um but obviously monoghetti is a superstar so i don't know i don't think it's something to worry about and he is right. I am getting better at it, but it's just taking some time. Yeah, man. That's so
0: interesting. So, it, is, it, is it something do you reckon to do with the motivation and just the. I know when the race day comes around, the endorphins and the, uh, you know, the energy levels start to pump a bit. So, is it just, yeah. Uh, um I'm trying to think. I used to play footy against a few blokes who were like that as well. I'd look at them on the training track, and they were pretty like in the time trials and and in the drills and stuff. They weren't overly interested. They weren't necessarily. It's not like they weren't trying, but they would get there and just they they just didn't have the juice to be able to get them going. And then uh, come Saturday when the game actually started, mate. The I don't know what it was about, just competition day, but they just seemed ready to rock and roll. Um,
1: I've given it like a lot of thought, and um, I think it's like it's probably a bit of mental and physiological like in training when I'm training hard I do feel like extremely tired most of the time and I think it's almost an outlier in the group like a lot of guys like Geordie he can manage to do a lot of stuff during the day whereas after training I'm like cooked I have to just stay in the house or like sleep a little bit and if I don't get nine hours I'm like completely stuffed the next day um but Then I also, when it comes to race, I do make sure everything's, like, perfect. Like, my diet's absolutely perfect. I'm hydrated. Um, I'm getting, like, the best sleep. My tape, like, everything goes right. And I do, um, like, really gear up for every race like it is my last race. Whereas training, I just try and go for more consistent, like, aspect. I never try and put everything on the line for a session. It's just, like, try and get through it, make sure I tick the boxes without getting hurt kind of thing so I think all that like combination of all those things it just um kind of makes it seem like I'm training at a much lower level to racing so yeah it's just
0: yeah it's a good point man it'd be so exhausting wouldn't it like if you're trying to gear up for every session like it was a race day just emotionally it's too tiring to do that as well so it's probably a yeah probably a blessing in disguise something I would recommend to a lot of juniors out there is uh, and I learned this the hard way, man. Like uh, uh, growing up, my biggest focus during every training session to, was to make sure that I finished ahead of the blokes who were about my level during uh, yeah. during a race. And there were so many sessions I was the hero of a of a track session. I get to race day and it's like, oh mate, far, I would have run faster than that on Tuesday evening down at Law <laughs> yeah. Newborough Athletics Track. But uh, yeah, it's it's always interesting I find to just hear about the different quirks and and things like that which are in a group. But you're back in Perth now. Are you just doing a little bit of bit of work back from
1: home um yeah like honestly i love training in perth because um it's like kind of a place where i can train really consistently without any risk um like you can get high mileage in here and you've got the gym and all that everything you got in melbourne but without like the competitiveness and training but every now and then it's like essential for me to get over to melbourne and um kind of go into that like phase of training where you are pushing yourself a lot harder but um yeah at this point obviously no races there's no reason to really up the training just got to stay consistent um and yeah that's kind of why i like staying in perth um as much as i can just yeah like training with the guys that i grew up with and that kind of thing just a lot more laid back yeah who are you training with over there um oh it's Honestly, like we're getting better turnouts to the training to our training sessions than we do to like our state cross country champs. It's like we got. I'm training with Ben Chamberlain, and then um, he's probably the most notable name. And then um, a lot of triathletes I train with. Um, and we've got all the college kids that are currently over. They're, they're back now because of the coronavirus. Um, so Jesse Hunt, he's at, um he's at North Carolina. Then we got. Um, Sam King, who's at Drake, um, David Checky, who's at Charleston. Um, and then there's a few girls back, like Brie Lada, um, Mel Smart. Um, and, yeah, there's just, like, also a few guys over at that base over east, like Elaine Dutton, he's back now, and Chris Dow, who's in Melbourne, he's back. So there's – I think on Tuesday we had, like, 16 guys rock up, so we had to split the group in half. So, yeah, it's, like, crazy how many like people were getting to come to sessions.
0: Yeah, which uh, we're about to you guys training because I used to live in Perth from like 1995 to 2001, going back now, man, and I was 13 in 2000 and I was doing a lot of the training. I I know I told you this before we hit record but Margaret Saunders was my first athletics coach and I used to do a little bit of work with her and then Ray Boyd was like my childhood hero and we used to go and do our our sessions on a Tuesday out at Kings Park. They had like a long, slow – hill out there up towards I, bro, I don't know what it is but it's like a they have a tower yeah, at the top of the hill it's a,
1: yeah it's called the DNA tower yeah yeah the good it's name shape yeah shaped like DNA yeah bro
0: it's a I wouldn't even know what DNA was back in the year 2000 but uh, it makes sense <laughs> yeah it's a that was a that was a I've got brutal memories of Kings Park
1: but do you guys still head out there for some of your sessions yeah I'm actually um gonna easy run there tonight um so basically like Kings Park, we train at for our long runs when it gets when we can't cross the river at Helena Valley, which is um out in the hills, that's like 30 minutes from where I live, and we do a long run there. But yeah, Kings Park's where I do my like hard hill sessions when I'm um like really training in like a harder phase. Um, and then I think you'd remember like McGilvray, you would have done some track workouts there, it's like that nice green. Um, oval like grassy, yeah, like really good track. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. There's like so that's 1700 meters around um that like track, and it's probably the best grass track we got in Australia. The actual track itself. Um, so we train there on Tuesdays, and then we've also got Bold Park across the road from that. You can run like eight k's through there. It's hilly, like really undulating. Um, and it's kind of like a limestone surface, and then literally across the road from that you've got perry lakes which is where we do our threshold it's just thick grass um covered by like trees and it's there's only one hill at the back of it um but all that like mcgillvray bowl park and perry lakes that's all within like 200 meters of each other and you can if you you could easily do a long run there then just up the road maybe 7k away is king's park um and then if you want to go further north, north, you got Lake Munger, Herdsman. You might, I reckon you would have trained at Herdsman because um, you mentioned Mark C. before we started. Um, he did a lot of his training at Herdsman. So, yeah, some those are probably some of the places you would have remembered training at in Perth.
0: Actually, um, Lake Munger rings a bell to me at the moment because Jack Bruce mentioned you might have had a, a sneaky little hit out around there a couple of days or well, a couple <laughs> of weeks ago and, and ripped out a big time. So give us a – I can't remember it, man, because uh, I was – as I said, I was thirteen and my mum was driving me everywhere when I was over there, so I wasn't paying attention to names and locations. But what Lake Munger's a three and a half K lap, is it?
1: Yeah, so if you go there's a path around the track which is exactly three and a half. If you run like on the grass around, you can get a bit over four K done. But um so yeah, that Lake Munga thing, it was actually a guy called Raph Bors idea, um, who runs like a big group here in Perth and he basically wanted to a similar thing to what the tan has how they've got like the times the leaderboard about um how fast everyone's run around there so he got the competition up and just used Strava and um it it was a good time to do it because of this COVID stuff so it gave us like a bit of purpose in our training for a little while and um yeah so we went out and I ran for the three and a half k lap I think I ran like nine twenty five something like that (laughs) which is um I think it's two forty kilometer average, so that was um that was actually a surprise to me. I was like went out there thinking I'd maybe average two forty five or something because I did a pretty hard session on the Tuesday before, and that was the Friday. So um yeah we all but all the guys like flew that night. It was pretty crowded. There was a lot of people out, so we had to dodge a few people. But um a lot of the boys who trained there more often than me, they said like um the wind is never that calm, and it was pretty warm. So. Everything just fell into place. Like everyone flew that day.
0: Yeah. So I'm guessing that would have been a big record around the lake, was it? Do they keep records for it?
1: Yeah, they've got records on Strava and um, the council is going to put a like leaderboard like at 10 so everyone can compare. Um, but yeah, so I think I broke the old record which was held by Nick Harmon, um, the the half marathon runner here. He he had 10.22 was his time and pretty much all the boys who ran on Friday like beat that time. So, so did he'll did have you get, to get it back? <laughs> did you get a three? <laughs> did you get a three k split as you went through? Um. Yeah. It was like eight oh four, and then I just kicked down. Um. And ran a little bit quicker last five hundred. Gee man, what have you run for three k on the track? Um. My PB. I ran seven forty five. That was in Oslo Diamond League last year. Bro, I didn't realize you'd run that quick. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> That was that's our WA record, but um, yeah, I don't know. Not many people like realize I can run kind of fast over three k, and five k as well. Because I mostly just run like miles and 15s.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was going to talk to you about this, but while it's a uh, while it's a hot topic. So what if you what if you run for fifteen now then?
1: Um, I've run three thirty five. Bloody hell, man! In Finland, yeah.
0: Okay, so it's a it's an interesting time, isn't it? Because especially a bloke in your situation who's more than just knocking on the door of an Olympic debut like uh, this this whole COVID thing it's it's obviously frustrating for everyone in some capacity but I've got a special place in my heart for athletes especially in an Olympic year so what your goal going into later in this year was obviously to try and run that qualifier over the the 3k or or, sorry the um the 1500 or or even the 5k was it?
1: Yeah I think um I wasn't going to bother about the 5k because i Like I was in pretty good shape to run um, close to if not just run the 15 times. So, um, yeah, the 15 was my goal and I think definitely I'll only be competitive over the 5K in another two or so years. I just don't think I've got that strength that I need quite yet.
0: Yeah, sure. How old are you now, man? Um, I'm 22. Oh, dude, yeah, perfect, perfect. So you're in good crop
1: because how old's Big Stewie? Stewie must be about 24 now. Yeah, I think he's 24 or just turning 24 in like a few days.
0: Yeah, okay. How do you feel, man? It's it's funny as you get older and you start rubbing shoulders with the blokes you you used to look up to. Like I'm 33 and back when I was probably 22, in a strange way, I looked up to Gregson who was flying around the track at age 19. So, um, mate, like you would have been a, a, well and truly a junior when a bloke like Grego was, was starting to run some Aussie records and stuff. So has it been a weird yeah. transition for yourself to – to not only be training with him now, but but uh, you know, telling him up in a couple of races here and there. I say that I say that cautiously uh, because I know <laughs> yeah. what quality athlete he is.
1: Yeah, no, I I remember like it was yesterday, like when I had my first training camp with MTC, and um, Grego actually was the one that kind of showed me the ropes and took me into the gym and showed me his program. Um, so yeah, like the first time I beat him fair and square was a bit surreal, like. I think it was the Australian mile champs. That was the first time I beat him and um, he probably wasn't like hundred percent fit that time. So I wouldn't have, I didn't really think of it as like a fair race. But then when I beat him in Lignano um, in Italy, um, that was probably like in my mind, the first fair and square race that we were both ready to go. Um, Yeah, that was kind of surreal because I had looked up to him for so many years and in my head like a guy who's run 331 is going to be like so hard to beat because so at that point I'd only run 335 so um yeah I guess um but it's it's honestly the same as um Stewie and Brett like Brett's the only guy in on MTC I haven't beat yet so um I still have to go a little bit harder to beat him but um yeah it's like when I beat Stewie last year that was kind of surreal because this guy he went on to run 331 and he ran 1305 the year before, and um, just same as Gregor, he helped me a lot as a junior in different ways. So, yeah, it is kind of a surreal feeling, but um, when it comes together, like it gives you that motivation kind of belief that you can compete with guys um, overseas.
0: Yeah, with some of the times that you put on the board now, it makes you – I can I can imagine it will really make you feel like you're well and truly a part of the crew, in, especially with having a couple of victories next to your name. But that first couple of months, what was it like getting involved with blokes like Grego and stuff? Were you a little bit nervous the first few meetings that you had with him? I was a bit nervous. I'd never sat down with him for a proper chat until the podcast the other day, and I was still thinking, mate, this is Ryan Gregson, Aussie record holder. I can't believe I'm going to sit down. And it's funny as the conversation gets going, you, you think, oh, mate, you're just a normal bloke who's uh, – yeah, a very fast, <clears throat> a very fast runner. But it's it's weird being a younger bloke stepping into the the territory of guys like that who have run so fast.
1: Yeah, it's um. See, Grego's got a similar thing to me where we're a little bit standoffish. I don't know, like if it's our face, like we have like resting bitch face or whatever. But um, like often people won't approach us. Um, and I think he he can come across as intimidating to like some of the youngsters, even though he's the opposite. So yeah, like Grego, especially um, like meeting him, I was very respectful and um, careful about what what jokes I was cracking. Whereas Brett and Stewie, like I got that feeling straight off the bat that I could like have jokes with them and be one of the boys. So um, it was a lot easier with them, and same with Geordie. he was um, he was pretty easy to get along with early on. But um, the thing about MTC, which I actually wrote about like in um, a Runners Tribe article. Was um like the guys that come into MTC? It's really hard. A lot of them don't understand how strong like our social core is, and the hardest part is breaking into that social core because it takes like three or four guys to accept you before you are given a chance. Um, if that makes sense. So for some guys, it takes longer than others. Um, fortunately, I I came into the group with Lockie Barber, so. We both kind of had each other coming off World Juniors and got to um, kind of went went through the same first camp experience as, as each other. So that made it a bit easier. But I feel for some of the younger guys who come in, they don't really fit in and it's a little bit harder. So it mm-hmm. takes a bit more time. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's funny as well when you look at a group like that from the outskirts. I used to always think this before I started playing footy. Like I played footy as a junior over there for, for Whitford's and then as I got older I sort of veered away and started focusing more on running and then later in my running career I started to to look at some footy after Mark Blitzavs got drafted from yeah. over, over here and one of the things quite a few of my mates said is like oh why do you want to be a part of a group like that it's just you know it's real boys boys and you know there's just they're not a real friendly kind of vibe but it's funny how much I think it can look like that from the outside, like you're saying, yeah. and then once you're a part of it, you realise how friendly everyone is. And I, I know what people are talking about, like when they—I um, always tease my wife because she always reckons she's got resting bitch face, and I tend to agree. Um, <laughs> she's, she's sitting in a room here, so I've got to be careful. Um, <clears throat> but uh, it's funny; she's helped me realise how much you can just get a, 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 the wrong perception of someone just by looking at them. And I think Grego's just—he's a, a—he's a seems like a really confident guy. <clears throat> And quite direct, like he's happy just to—he's quite to the point. Um, but I thought that in the conversation last week, I was like, "Oh, he's just—he's just an upfront, really honest, really open guy." And from the outside, if you didn't want to take the time to get to know that personality, it can—it can appear as though it's something else. so that's something you've found with yourself, is it?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's part of the reason why, like, I don't appear on many podcasts or I don't get asked to like write many articles or whatever. And like, honestly, I'm—I'm I'm not the type of guy that worries about that but i know it's definitely because i'm not as like friendly or i don't appear as friendly as other guys and um it's just how i've always been but i don't really have a problem with it i wouldn't change it so yeah
0: that makes it is it because uh like would you say when you get to know you like the first time getting to know you you'd probably be a little bit more shy and then as you start to get to know someone you yeah
1: you feel a bit more comfortable just to
0: you know be a bit of a dick
1: yeah i don't know if it's like shyness but um Everyone that's really good mates with me um would tell you like I would do anything for my mates, but I don't have a lot of mates. you'd have to you'd be in my top like 10 and I'd probably do anything for you but um outside of that it's just like I'll give you the time of day but I won't go overboard. So I'm pretty um like strict on who I let like in close and I think Grego's definitely like that. I've actually had this conversation with him as well. I think that's the trait that kind of wears like on some people they don't like it as much. Whereas um, there's a few other like social butterflies in the group who should probably say they've got like 200 mates. So
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just it,
1: like two different characters.
0: It makes so much sense, man. Like I'd I'd put myself in the category of the bloke who's probably got a whole heap of associates and need to spend more time focusing on developing like a closer relationship with just the the really good mates whereas my wife is exactly like you guys she meant one night we were sitting at the crown casino here in melbourne and uh this was like the epitome of her resting bitch face just random we're sitting there eating dinner and some girl walked past and and walked up to my wife and go like what's your problem and she's like (laughs) oh my god i'm i'm not sure i don't know (laughs) like i don't think i have a problem is everything okay (laughs) and uh i know what you mean about it rubbing people up the wrong way but has it been something that like as you've started to become a bigger name for yourself on the athletic circuit, um, especially around the athletics or the running scene, there'd be probably be more people who, who want to rub shoulders with you or have something to do with you. Has it been harder to, to balance that close group of friends as you've started to get more of a profile in the athletics
1: world? Um, a little bit. I'm, uh, not really, to be honest. Like I'm just loyal to the guys that I know and I've known for a long time. Um, Like, the guys that I've known for 12 years, nothing could break that friendship. Um, And I think, like, when people only really want to talk to me or get to know me because of some of the success I've had, I don't have a lot of time for them. So I don't really give guys like that a lot of time if they just want to um, help me out because now I'm a little bit better. I don't really care much for that type of stuff. So, yeah, it hasn't changed a lot, but I do also have to, like, um remember that sometimes those guys can help you lighten your career so you have to give a little bit of time and um yeah if if that kind of makes sense
0: yeah oh man 100% makes sense yeah it makes perfect sense and uh i think uh, especially with the titanic crew that uh, crew that you have around you at the moment in terms of your training partners and you mentioned mark C. and raff a great man i actually messaged raff this morning asked him to come on the podcast cuz i used to do a bit of run around with him when i lived in perth um, but yeah, your your team starts to get pretty big, so your energy can be dispersed pretty yeah, quickly yeah. if you're not careful, isn't it? So it's probably a for an elite athlete something that's uh, you know works works in
1: your favor rather than you know rather than gets in your way. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's yeah you kind of hit the ham hit the nail on the head just there. Like um, you can't give too much energy to the guys that don't deserve it, kind of thing. You'll just wear yourself out. Mm. Um. Yeah, I've I've always been wary of the guys who have too many friends because you don't know where your trust like lies in them. So, yeah, that's that's kind of like sums up like my character a bit.
0: Yeah. So when you're back in Perth, do you still have a fair bit to do with your training partners on the on the east east side of the country, or do you just have a little bit of time away from each other and then just love getting back on board um, doing the work together when you can?
1: Um, no, I I try and call them like once a week at least. Um, speak to Rhett probably the most and Stewie, talk to Geordie a bit, Grego. Um, the other boys, it'll be more like text them every now and then or send memes or whatever. Um, I speak to Nick um, probably like every couple of days just to touch base about training. Um, but other than that, like, yeah, it's just the guys here in Perth, i catch up with them at training and whatever else. Yes. Um, yeah, Yeah.
0: No, that makes sense, man. So what does your training look like at the moment? It's obviously a really strange experience for everyone to be in this whole coronavirus experience where there's no races planned, everyone's sort of locked down in isolation. Are you still training pretty hard or have you backed
1: off a little bit for the time being? Um, I've definitely backed off a little bit, but I'm still hitting like around 120 to 130K a week. Um, Nothing really too hard. Like We're just doing um, Tuesdays like long reps and then – Friday's threshold and then Sunday long run. So um and then a couple of doubles here and there. But honestly, it's like not not a whole lot has changed. Um we're just and I'm still doing gym, got a little gym set up here. But um the restrictions are easing off a bit in WA now, so training's kind of going back to normal. Um which is good, yeah.
0: Oh, that's good. So I haven't been following it too closely, man, because the whole the, it's just doing my head in to hear, hear too much about it, but the yeah. the situation, mate. We live in the opposite side of the country, which is just we always laugh saying it's the socialist state. But I think we'll be the last group of people who are going back to normal. Like the resti- restrictions still seem pretty tight here. But what have they changed in Perth at the moment? Like the any cafes starting to open up again yet? Or
1: um yeah, well, I've played golf the last like three weeks, um so the golf courses are all open again and. Just like a few days ago, they announced you can play in groups of four. We can now train in groups of 10. Um, yeah, cafes never really shut. You just get takeaway coffee. Um, <laughs> yeah. Same with restaurants, you just get takeaway. Um, and like we're back to having traffic now, so everyone's going to work again. So it's honestly like Perth is looking almost like back to normal. That's perfect. Yeah. And
0: the, the, the traffic in Perth compared to Melbourne, what do you got? The Mitchell Freeway, there's about 12 cars on there in Pico, isn't
1: there? <laughs> Honestly, like, you won't believe it, but our Quinana Freeway, like, we've been having road work since I don't even know when, and um, they stuffed the contract up with that, so um, essentially they're getting paid for the job, not the time it takes, so there's been traffic on there for, like, two years now, just such a pain, but... Um, yeah, a lot of people crack that joke from Melbourne. They're like, oh, but you get traffic, 12 cars on the road. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so true. That was the good old days when we used to get
0: stuck in a traffic jam in Perth. wasn't the Kornana where I reckon it would take us 10 minutes to get to the city from Padbury rather than, <laughs> whereas here yeah. I live five <laughs> days from the city. It take me. This is no joke. I was driving into the city from Hawthorne here in Melbourne. Uh, about six weeks, or probably a bit more than six weeks ago, it took me an hour as the last time I ever drive a car into the city on a on a Tuesday afternoon. But wh- whereabouts in uh,
1: whereabouts in Perth are you based, man? Um, so actually, like my mum lives in um Rockingham, which is where I grew up, which is an hour south of Perth. But I'm currently in Mount Pleasant, which is um like on the river, kind of. It's like not even 15 minutes from the city, so it's way easier for me training wise to get up to Perry Lakes area where we all train.
0: Yeah, okay. Okay, so what you're doing here, do you say you do your thresholds and stuff out around Perry Lakes at the moment with, the, with yeah, some yeah. of the local triathletes? with, with and all the those guys, boys. yeah.
1: Yeah, and then? Yes. So Tuesdays is at McGillvray, just across the road from Perry Lakes and then, yeah, Perry Lakes we do our threshy on Friday.
0: Yeah, cool, man. Well, you mentioned your little home gym that you got set up before. I'm always fascinated to know what the – what the big dogs of the athletics world are are doing in the gym so what are you like what is your strength training program look like
1: um at this point in time i've cut it back a lot like i trimmed all the fat the stuff that i don't really need and it's like more injury prevention stuff so i'm doing just like three core exercises a bit of glute stuff and then like half of it is just carbs because i had a lot of problems with like lower leg injuries so um calf stuff takes like at least 15 to 20 minutes but the whole thing's probably like 40 minutes long the program yeah yeah how
0: many times a week are you doing that
1: oh at the moment i'm trying to do that twice um twice to three times but it's yeah like more like twice
0: yeah Yeah, usually i
1: do it at least three times yeah it makes sense man i'm always
0: interested as well like uh, there seems to be a little bit of um flexibility in the way that athletes approach their their Strength training routine. Like I was speaking to Dane Verway, who's a physio over here. I think it was Dane Verway, and he was saying that you know it's it's pretty powerful to do your strength work on the same days you do your harder work, just so your rest days are your rest days. But I know yeah. whenever I was doing strength stuff, it was always on my easy day, so that in my head I'd get back out to the street uh, to the track work and and try and bust out some hard work on that that next day. How are you structuring yours?
1: Oh uh- like I'm more like you, yeah. I prefer So the MTC way to do it is do gym on your training days. But here in Perth, I train Arvo. Um, and so I do gym like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, so on my off days. Um, well, at the moment, I'm doing it Monday and Wednesday. But yeah, um, I know what you mean. I just prefer to do gym on my easy days because gym to me is more supplementary to my training. It's not like a big part of um like the way i get better so yeah i kind of prefer to do that after an easy run so my body's warm and 40 minutes like doesn't take that long you just kind of get the exercises done and make sure you're feeling good and honestly like gym makes me feel better afterwards anyway so because i'm not going like as hard as what sprinters or um the 400 or 800 guys are going
0: what better in the sense that you feel like yeah. You're flushing out or in the sense that you just feel a bit stronger and know you're taking the measures to look after yourself and prevent any potential injuries from kicking in?
1: Um, Yeah, it's like my tendons feel better. So I can run a lot faster without any aches and pains, that kind of thing. Mm.
0: So what is yeah. your, what does your workout look like? What exercises are you doing in the gym? I don't want to give away Um, too many trade secrets, but it's just it's interesting because man, the amount of questions that people have around the strength training part of of training for runners really blows my mind. So I'm just trying to, you know, give people some access into the uh, you know the training secrets of of an elite athlete
1: like yourself. Yeah, no worries. I don't have a problem sharing any of my training um, because like I know some of this probably won't help other guys, but um definitely the exercise I'd recommend if you've had like calf or like lower leg injuries is um I do three sets of um like 45 second holds with 60 kilograms um so i'll have like usually i'll do it on a smith machine i'll just like push up um and hold 60 kilograms 45 seconds then swap legs have a little break do that two more times and then after that i'll do like um three sets of 10 calf raises and i'll go down slow and go up fast um and then, yeah, my core is pretty standard. I just do a couple of uh, like, um, sit-ups and then I don't even know the name of these exercises. I just know them from what I've been taught. Um, the one where you like hold your legs straight and you push them up and then back down and you're on your back. Yep. Um, I have no idea what they're called. So this oh, me probably either. isn't good. But yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, then I also do um, s- some squats. I probably do like three sets of those um because I think it is important to like build speed doing a few squats so I'll do maybe like 80 to 100 kilograms and I'll just do three sets of five and I'll go down slow and up fast um and like depending on what time of the year it is I'll go a bit heavier than that but typically like that's what I'm doing at the moment just like 80 to 100.
0: Yeah sure Gregor was telling me the other day that he does some quite heavy weights as well but um, he doesn't necessarily always try and hit that full range of motion. He'll try and just target a specific exercise and if he's doing a hundred kilos or something quite heavy, he might just try and get down to about halfway and, and push back up. Are you are you just targeting like a certain range of movement or is that with the is that with
1: the full sort of range of movement going on there? Um so when I'm when I'm doing it for tendon purposes, I won't go all the way down. I'll just go maybe like a quarter to halfway down. But then when I'm doing it for actual strength in my hamstrings, I'll go lighter weight and go pretty much full squat. So down as low as I can, I think I go down to like 30 centimeters off the ground. Um, And, but I'll only be, do, I'll only be like lifting maybe 40 kilos. So it's nothing. But yeah. um, yeah, so that, I don't know if that explains like kind of what, when I do it at different times in the years. Um, Yeah. Yeah,
0: sure. But the the gym program is something that just goes, that's pretty much 12 months of the year, is it?
1: Yeah, definitely. I never, I, I do think gym is important, but it's, again, it's supplementary to my training. So if I'm feeling really tired, I won't do it. But also I know if I don't do it, I get injured. So it's like, for, in my training, in my head, like easy runs are the most important and threshold. And then um, like gym, those are the three things that Will always be the foundation of my training
0: mm. it seems to be a real common theme with with bedo's training as well it's just when you explain it it seems it's quite simple on paper um but it's just the ability to just be able to get that done time after time and you mentioned Monagetti earlier in the piece and he's got that great theory i think they call it the phone book theory where it's so easy just to talk about your training and say okay like this is what i do and it's probably a reason a lot of top athletes aren't worried about giving away their training secrets because just because you know it doesn't mean you're going to be able to implement it day after day. But the, have you heard of the phone book theory before? No, I've never heard of it. Man, so it's just a, it's a, a, a nice little example. So he just says each each day of training is just like one little thin paper in a series of a phone book, and you can tear that quite easily. It's quite easy to get broken down. But yes. then over the period of 6 months to 12 months to 18 months, if you can just layer each of those small sheets on top of each other like a phone book gets a lot harder to break and uh uh, it's always stuck with me because i thought you don't need it like you were saying you don't need to be the king of one training session but you need to be hopefully the king of just layering training session upon training session building that strength over time and um i I think when you start to get the opportunity to do that that's when you see some big breakthroughs it it seems to be the case with the way that you've been running as well
1: yeah definitely um like I wish I understood the training better when I was younger. Like That's the only thing I would change about my career. Um, but the, the, whole, the whole thing about getting better is understanding the training. Um, and if you don't understand it, you'll never really make that breakthrough. I think Stewie is one of the smartest trainers um, I've ever met, and Brett would agree with that. We always talk to each other about it. And people sometimes will say Stewie's lazy or he'll cut corners, but no, he knows what works for him and um it's just like that's what's made him so good like he's he's worked out that sometimes doing too much gym doesn't work for him or running when you like trying to get that extra one percent in when you're absolutely exhausted it's just not worth it so that's where that phone book theory comes in into play for a lot of us in mtc we kind of play the long game rather than try and get in the secret session that some of these guys do like you'll see these random sessions i'll write up like four 200s and then a mile and they'll do these crazy times but they'll go into a race and won't hit any of those times so um that's that kind of explains like how we we look at training we prefer to get week after week of um get the eight by k and pretty good yep tick the box then 30 minute threshold yep pretty good tick the box long run yep then do that six to twelve months in a row and then you might see some results
0: yeah, so with the example that you just gave of Stewie being one of the smartest trainers you've seen, I haven't trained with him for years. I, uh, I used to train with Rod Griffin up in Ballarat when he was about 14. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. it was – yeah, it was. so I probably didn't have the opportunity to see the elite Stewie train like what you guys are getting insight to now. But like, what are some of the things that he does that you really admire when it comes to what you just explained, just backing off and what could be perceived as taking a, a shortcut to other people is actually just – him being really switched on and in tune with his body.
1: Um, like there's a lot of things that you can take out of Stewie's training, but um, and I've 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 like really thought deeply about this, and it's he's probably one of the biggest reasons I've made a breakthrough in the last few years. Was um, he just knows when to take a step back, and he knows when to go eighty percent rather than ninety. He picks his days rather than just always trying to. Like you, you, hear those guys, and they're like, "Yeah, give it your all," or like, "Go go hard or go home." Like that kind, it just doesn't work. You can't always go your max effort. You'll just never last in this sport. Um, and Stewie, Stewie worked that out quicker than anyone. He knows just lay the foundations, get through feeling like pretty good, but you're putting a good effort. And then the days he does feel good, go hard, make sure you recover properly, get the protein in, and go to gym, and then rock up the next day ready to go again um I've never seen him I've never seen him skip like a session or um uh or a run or anything unless he absolutely had to whereas a lot of guys like a little sickness or a little niggle they'll be the first to put their hand up and say nah and then they'll come out roaring in two days and try to give it a huge effort whereas Stewie will only if he really has to like miss a run kind of thing and um yeah, I think that's – I've really taken like a page out of his book um, in that respect.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's a good thing to observe as well, isn't it? So uh, – and, and I feel like distance runners are the biggest culprits for it in the – maybe out of any sport, just that idea. We're so obsessive with getting our training done, making sure that every box is ticked. And you said before that that whole go hard or go home attitude. And I think it's it's almost a disservice to so many athletes rather than – actually enhancing their performance you, all you have to do is look at the history of injuries and breakdowns and just poor performances that you see a lot of athletes have and go okay well what's your last six weeks of training look like and you have a bit of a you know a bit of a chat with some of the training partners in here oh yeah they're the, the hero of a Tuesday training session and it doesn't take yeah. long to, to wear your body down um, like with that whole mindset but uh, w- what I'm interested in as well man is that like the holistic part of your training, so you've mentioned your your strength training and just your awareness of what it takes to, to train well throughout the week, throughout the year. But you mentioned the great man Mark C and Raf before as as being a couple of blokes who you've got in the corner with the physio work that you're doing. What what role does do those boys play in your training?
1: Um, oh well, Mark um, Mark's like probably the best physio I've ever been treated by because he he kind of like we learned from an early stage that I'm a guy that doesn't like the bullshit that physios sometimes talk like he'll be telling he'll you'll sit down and wait for 15 minutes chatting about nothing pretty much and then they'll rub you a little bit whereas Mark he's he knows now get me on the table I'll say what's sore. he knows exactly where to go like to get it sorted um and I never when I'm in Perth I never really have any major problems um so full credit to Mark for that but when I am injured, he pretty much takes over um, my training. And I think Nick isn't really um, someone who, who worries too much. Like He's not a coach who worries about the like control over that. Mark um, gets me back like pretty quickly. So um, he has a lot of faith in him. And when I'm in Melbourne, it would be Kev Craigie who would look after me um, over there. But, yeah, mostly here Mark just looks after me and I've recommended like a lot of younger athletes to him, and they've come back after seeing like a physio podiatrist for months and had no results and they've come back from St. Mark and they've just been like yeah he said a week and I'll be back and yeah sure enough week they're back running yeah awesome so what is it that he's doing so well would you say honestly I think he's just he's a runner himself so he knows what's going on and he's had his fair share of injuries so he's got a lot of little tricks that he knows works um But, like I said, he doesn't, he's a hands on physio, which I think a lot of physios um, should learn from. Like these days, they're more interested in giving you a couple of injuries and, I mean, giving you a couple of exercises and not really um, like being hands on and telling you, like actually getting stuck in, giving you needles or cupping, whatever they do. Um, And I think that's what Mark, like, separates Mark from the other guys. Well, in my mind, anyway, that's why I consider him like one of the best. Yeah, sure. So, are there are there other
0: regular people that you have in your corner? So, your physio, your coaches, your training partners, or that that's pretty much the extent of of who you see.
1: Um. Yeah, I don't really like having a big team. Like, Waze was trying to get me to post some of my sessions into AMS and trying to get me to see dietitians and like psychologists and stuff. And I went to a few appointments and I was just like, nah, it's not for me. I don't really like this stuff. Like. They were trying to get me to change my diet. And I think a sudden change like that is just um, a bit ridiculous this time of year anyway, like when I was getting ready for what was meant to be the Olympics. And um, psychologists often, I think, when I I went to a few of those meetings, they were kind of getting me to think a bit too deeply about what I was doing. And, um, yeah, just again, taking a leaf out of Stewie's book, like keep it simple and just make sure you're feeling right and everything's good, like I think a few – too many people worry so much about those extra one percenters that can throw them off a little bit and lose track of what's important, and that's training and staying healthy. So, um, yeah, that's why I kind of like to just keep my team small and um, Nick knows what I'm doing. I don't need anyone else really knowing what I'm doing, and that's fine.
0: Yeah yeah no, that makes a lot of sense it 's uh it 's interesting the subject of diet as well and the the whole philosophy philosophy behind seeing sports psychologists and things i know as you say, it, it works for some people, but for others, it just overcomplicates it. And the, I had a chat, uh, the, the chat that I had with Gregor the other day. One of the things that he said was, I said, "Oh, in your in your approach to perfor- improving your performance, do you do things outside of training like meditation and stuff?" And he goes, "Ah, oh, not meditation per se." He goes, "I've got a quite a simple philosophy which I got from uh, from Steve Jones, which is like, all right, there's no point dwelling on." Things which aren't working, or after a bad race, give myself sixty minutes to be like, all right, I can think about it for sixty minutes, and as soon as that time's over, that's it's done. It's move on time. And it'd be, uh, I know with subjects like diet and mindset, there's so much emotion that can be attached to it that can be exhausting at times. So is that is that sort of the approach that you take with um, with a couple of things that you've just said? Like you've you've got your diet down pat. You know what works. Um, uh, you know to a pretty good extent. So you're happy just to keep going with that, especially when you're seeing such big improvements. I guess it makes sense.
1: Yeah, like I have I reckon I've just had enough time now to understand what works for me and um, I'm a pretty simple guy. So trying to like write down everything I'm eating during the day and worry about how many glasses of water I'm drinking, it just isn't really for me. Like if I'm thirsty, I'll drink. If I'm hungry, I'll eat kind of thing. Um, And I know a lot more. Uh, like a lot of athletes need that kind of structure, whereas that structure kinda puts me off a bit. Um, so yeah, it just I think I'm pretty similar to guys like Gregor and Brett in that respect. Like you kind of just know what works for you and you do it. Um and not worry so much about all those little extras because it can throw you off, yeah.
0: Yeah. How have you felt not being able to get over to Europe this year and have a real uh, a real race around that european circuit getting ready for the olympics has it been like have you, have you felt it was disheartening or have you just pretty quickly adjusted to the fact that the olympics are hopefully going to be next year and you can you can just retarget and refocus for that
1: um oh like yeah it sucks that i couldn't be running at the olympics or um in europe this year but that's just how life goes you just got to get on with it like i looked at the upsides and upsides actually outweigh the downsides a lot because um i'll be older next year so i'll probably be better so i have a better chance of running more competitively at the olympics um next year like now i have a lot more time to train and just lay better like more foundations and better training for next year so i'll be better prepared so there's a lot of upsides it just depends on how you look at it
0: Yeah, that's a really good point, that whole perspective, uh, because it's so funny, man, like the, uh, I I said this just before, but the amount of exhaustion you can call yourself just from dwelling and wishing that things were different, it's just a a waste of time, and that's one thing that stood out to me about Stewie when I caught up with him a few months ago, was he just, he seemed to have a really simple approach to what it was that he was doing, didn't overcomplicate it, man, Brett seems the same, Um, like just from the outs, I've only had a, a, a couple of hour conversation with these guys in the last few years, but there seems to be a real theme. Even Usain Bolt, you look at blokes like that or Kelly Slater, you can look at any sport, it seems that the the guys and, and girls who, who can approach it with like a fairly loose grasp um, and not get too caught up in the highs and lows that come with good performances and poor performances uh, are able to just keep rocking up,
1: you know, year after year and performing at a pretty high level. Yeah, well, like I don't know if you've come across the term head case, but there's, there's like – there's more head cases in this sport than any other sport, I swear. And it's the, it's like if if some people like they have that much talent and they just learn how to chill out a bit, they'd be superstars. But it's just something embedded in people. There'll just always be a head case no matter what they do. And you can tell, you can give them all the advice. I tell them to chill out, it's just a race, like chill, and they'll still come back the next race and be all overhyped. And, yeah, so, yeah, no, nah, like Stewie being simple, it's one of the key things to his success and um I think I've learned to kind of not stress as much I remember actually in Europe um I was this is a bit off topic but I was I was worrying about a uni assignment and I was like talking to Rayner, the last person you should be talking to about uni and um I was like yeah man I don't know like I got to get this assessment done and he's like Rambo just relax. Like, <laughs> you, you're, you're stress. He just goes. You're stressing too much. You're just wasting energy. I, like I, I'd look. I'd think about it for a little while. and I was like, Rainer's right. As dumb as that guy can be, he's hundred <laughs> <laughs> <he's> percent right. <laughs> he walks up to he walks up to races with the same look on his face every every time, and he's honestly one of our best performers. Like always consistent, and it's because he's just always relaxed know, never stresses about the outcome of things. So yeah. He taught me a valuable lesson. <laughs> That's cool, man. That's cool. So is a – dude, you got to put me in touch with him. I'd love to get him on the show, but well, he's just a super chilled-out customer, is he? Yeah, probably the most chilled guy you could meet. He's like a space cadet <laughs> sometimes on a different planet. But, um, yeah, he's like one of my favorite guys to hang out with in the group, honestly, because he kind of takes your mind off running a little bit. And you, um, when you're with him in Europe, you almost don't feel like you're there competing for your country or for your team. You're like – just on a holiday with mates which is really good sometimes to just take a step back from everything and you're like rain like let's get on those boats and you're like what we got a race next week he's like no nah, that's right just get on the boats and we'll hop on the boats and yeah it's all good it's like that kind of thing
0: <laughs> oh, so what i was what i was meant i don't know the guy so i'd be fascinated just to to get a little bit of an insight on what it is that makes him such a a chilled out unit. Like what? What else stands out to you about a, a guy like him? Because he's. If there's one bloke you want to use as an example of the benefits of just being able to stay relaxed, it's Because some of the times and numbers that he's put up on the boards and just his ability to race well just stands out. It's a. He's a pretty yeah. good bloke to to use as an example.
1: I reckon he's similar trainer to me. Actually, like he'll race at a much higher level than he'll train. Um, but um, yeah, like like I said, he's just. The type of guy that you can you can put him in a room with anyone and he will get along with them he'll like find a way which is really like really good um characteristic to have and um yeah i just remember like we're in denmark after world cross and he didn't have a very good race like probably underperformed he was sick in the lead up so it was really hard for him but after the race like 30 minutes and he was good he was good to go he wanted to go see the city and whatever so yeah he didn't feel as bad about the, like, bad team result we had. He um, just got on with it and lifted the mood a bit. So that's the type of guy you like having on your team with you. You don't like to have guys that are moping around after a bad performance.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. How do you how do you find travelling as a team overseas and
1: spending so much time together each year? Oh, yeah, there's always, like, little fights that happen, um, but nothing serious. Like, I think you get so close with some of those guys in after one season with them that it it wouldn't make sense not to have them as your like lifelong mates like come you know they're going to end up coming to your wedding and all that you're going to catch up outside of running um that kind of thing like spending that much time and you go through a lot of tough times as well with those boys um it just really like makes you a tight-knit group Hmm.
0: Yeah, no, that's really good, man. Is there a best bloke to travel with? Best um, mate, I'm making you. I'm making you pick out favourites. Left said <laughs> I might have to do some editing
1: before this one goes public because you might get kicked <laughs> out of the group. Yeah, it could do. <laughs> um, no, nah, they're good questions though. Like probably things that people would want to know. But um, I really like travelling with Jordy. He's he's a really fun guy to travel with. Um, he never really gets too stressed about races, and you kind of feel like he's he's professional enough to make you feel like you got to get the job done over there but also um you can you can have a bit of fun with him it's not like all serious but um i've also had some of my best results going on trips with geordie so um yeah i think i like traveling with geordie probably the best he's also a very considerate roommate like if he has to talk to his missile whatever he'll go outside or um Give you some space if you need it. So, yeah, it's good traveling with him.
0: I didn't know he had a little lady. There'd be so many disappointed girls around the world at the moment knowing that that little. I call him an Italian stallion, <laughs> but apparently he's Sri Lankan, isn't he?
1: Yeah, he's Sri Lankan. <laughs> so
0: funny. I think my wife's got a crush on him. I've told this on the podcast before, but we were up at Falls a couple of years ago and he walked over and uh, and he, he walked away. And Jesse, my wife, goes, mate, who was that? I go, Oi, keep, <laughs> keep your eyes off him. So, every, every time I see him now, I just look at him as a threat to my relationship. Yeah. Oh,
1: Geordie's, um, Geordie does pretty well with the girls. Like, I don't know, I don't know what his strike rate is, but a lot of the girls do go after him. He, he has a girlfriend now, so I won't talk too much about it. But, um, yeah, like, he's, it's a bit of a wonder, like, how you get so many girls when he's only like five foot tall. But, um, <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. He's,
0: he's deceptive. He's, man, he's taller than I thought. I didn't see him for years. And, uh, mind you, you're about seven foot three, aren't you? You're a big unit. <laughs> I, yeah, I was, I'm
1: like, that's six, six, six foot three, I think. Six yeah. foot three,
0: six foot four. I saw you stand next to Stewie in a photo. Uh, I was looking at your Instagram today and uh, I thought, oh, there's not much of a difference here. They look like they're pretty much uh, shoulder to shoulder. So, uh, yeah, yeah it, it is funny. But you know what it is with joy He's got that, mate, he's got that bloody, first of all, he's a good looking unit. Second of all, he's got that, oh, I'm, I can play it quiet. I can play, look, I'm just a nice guy. Look at me, yeah. but, but no one knows straight up that when you meet him and he's this little quiet guy, that he's got the
1: confidence of a bloody, yeah. I
0: don't know, a stallion. And yeah, uh, he's, a,
1: he's a pretty switched on guy as well. Um, probably one of the more switched on guys in the group. So I don't know, if, I don't know if chicks can see that, but like, who knows what they're thinking when they're checking out guys? But um, <laughs> yeah, I can kind of like Geordie's pretty cute looking guy. Like I can see why girls would go for him, and probably comes across as intelligent. So yeah, it. He'd probably do all right, like as a husband or whatever.
0: <laughs> yes. Mate, this is the best promo for Geordie, and I reckon I've reckon i found out the advertisement for this episode. He's a pretty cute little guy, Matt
1: Ramson, 2020. <laughs> everyone everyone in the group thinks Geordie's cute, but he does he does cop way more shit than he should out of the group. I don't know. Maybe it's because we're jealous of him getting all the girls. <laughs> what does he? What, he cops it a bit, does he? Oh, he cops it the most, I'd say. What about? <laughs> I don't I couldn't even tell you like just so many things. It's just <laughs> Stewie and Stewie and Geordie are just butting heads all the time and then me and Brett will get involved and take sides and yeah, it's just like ongoing throughout the European season, just Stewie versus Geordie and we'll jump on teams who whoever we feel like. Well, is it like a legitimate butting of heads or is it just dumb stuff that they're mucking around about? Oh it's it's dumb stuff, but um it always ends in, like, Geordie getting pretty upset and then we have to go and, like, apologize and <laughs> fix it. It's, it's so funny, mate, because uh, this is the stuff you don't
0: hear on Instagram, do you? Like, you'll you'll see the top finish with a PB at the European track race, but you don't hear about the fact you're arguing about whose stuff's at the foot of your bed that you're not happy about again.
1: Oh, yeah, no. Nah. There's, there's stuff on instagram that we just can't like reveal and um probably the most revealing one was we were all in our race kit and um we all did we got back from a race and we just jogged in our race kit in teddington and geordie rocked up back from gym and um bitters wanted to get a photo of us like in our race kit so we we're all posing geordie came in the middle and we all said all right get geordie and it started off like kind of friendly and I started grabbing Geordie's nipples and Brett, had, <laughs> Brett got him in a headlock. And then Geordie actually, Geordie was like, I can't breathe. Like said it a few times. And um, then we just kept squeezing him and Brett and Stewie both had him in this mad headlock. And he just, he lost it. And he was like, I said, I can't breathe. And like, Full on whacked Brett with his shoe, like punched him in the head. And um, all while this is going on, Bitters was getting the photos. So we posted that. You'll be able to find it on my Instagram. We posted that photo. You can see Geordie like grasping, like gasping for air. Um. So that was probably the closest you can get to seeing Joey lose his shit.
0: (laughs) 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 That's awesome. Yeah, because he seems like a pretty chilled out customer. I'm going to reach back out to him because I haven't spoken to him for about six months, but uh, he's a bloke I miss. And he's an easy bloke to hang out with, isn't he? Because we went, dude, I hadn't seen him for ages. And I said, mate, come on the podcast when I just got it started. Um, And I think the audience was about 12 people at that stage. So he's doing me a favor. And uh, anyway, we went out for coffees. And we were sitting there for about two and a half hours just – just chewing the fat and, and reflecting on the old days back when um, he was running around as a as like a little 15-year-old kid before he started to make big breakthroughs. But he's a, he's, a, he's a fun guy as well, isn't
1: he? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Like I said, he's easy to get along with and he's um he's got time for most people. So, yeah, he's like a perfect guy to catch up for coffee with. Like he, he drove me up to my first ever Falls Creek trip and I'm pretty sure like I caught the red eye over from Perth. I slept the whole way. Um, and he was just driving like in in silence, so it just kind of shows like what a chilled character he is. He doesn't worry. Most guys would be like, "Oh, Rambo, you idiot, sleeping, <laughs> <in> you. <laughs> giving you a lift up to Falls, and you can't even talk to me." He just didn't care.
0: Yeah, awesome. Man. Do you get many of the boys over to Perth?
1: Um, no, I really want to. Stewie's sure come for Leonora, and I showed him um, just a couple of the sites. But and so did Dave McNeil come because his his. Um, girlfriends from perth but um yeah I've no, it's i want to show them like because it's a really good training location um so i want to like have them here for a training camp and get them to stay at mine for a bit but yeah just now would be a good time of year to do it um but because of covid like they can't cross the border for the time being so yeah yeah
0: man i get so sentimental thinking about perth like i used to so i lived in um in padbury to start with and then i lived in a little suburb have you ever heard of callaroo
1: yeah, I have heard of it. I've never been I don't think I've ever been there. You wouldn't go um, there. There's not much there, man.
0: There's a milk bar. It's it's probably the, the highlight of it is it's it's fifteen minutes from Hillary's.
1: <laughs> oh, okay, was, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> probably the best
0: thing you can know about Calaroo, but it's not too far away from like your Cotterslow and your Scarborough, your Trig and stuff like that, which is I used to love my surfing and, and stuff when I was there, so that was always a big plus.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, nah, um Perth's like a great place. I've I've been to a lot of cities in the world and I always come back and think, no, Perth's still the best place in the world. Um, I want to retire here and all that. But, yeah, the boys hate it when I, like, mumble on about Perth so I don't talk about it too much around them. <laughs>
0: For a Perth but, um, boy, you don't you don't chuck too many haze at the end of your sentence. I, remember, I remember, uh, remember when I was living there, everything was a question. It was like your Queensland crew. I would, uh, like, everything was like, oh, it's such a good day, hey. Like, you've got this, yeah. there's this weird chilled vibe that goes on in Perth that no one on the east side of Australia really gets, unless you're up north. Yeah, they um
1: I used to say like that's hell good a lot. Oh, me purthing. too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um they they hate it when I say that. And also I say um fifty min run. So <laughs> you say like instead of minutes and um yeah, they hate when I say that. What else? Um Yeah, like where I'm from in Rocky Am, like you say instead of something's like good, you say it's darty. Like <laughs> just like real bogan. Um that that kind of thing and yeah, so I've that I've kind of wiped that from my vocab, like being in Melbourne so much and chowing with the boys. But um yeah, every now and then you come back and you hear someone say it. So
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you get up to in Perth usually in your downtime when you're not running? Are you are you a beach man? Are you a what are you what are you up to? A good looking um, rooster like yourself. I'm sure you're spending plenty of time with, with the the that female athletes around there who gotta crush it. Mind you, I think I saw a photo of you with a little yeah, lady no. that
1: yeah, I've had a girlfriend for 4 years, she's yes. a pole vaulter. Yeah. Um but no, I go fishing a lot um and play I've just gotten into golf. I play golf a little bit now. Um but yeah, like I said, I I'm usually pretty tired and I've got a lot of uni on like most of the time, so it's mostly like uni and resting, eating. Um I eat out a fair bit. Um but yeah, when I've got a bit of break in my training, or I can fit it in. I'll definitely go fishing because the fishing's great here and um golf's really good um and the weather never never really gets terrible so you can go shoot hoops I can, like i like shooting hoops playing basketball a bit but nothing really serious that will tire me tire me out heaps
0: yeah what do you do your fishing over there like I, we used to go down to two rocks a little bit i'm, I'm the worst fisherman of all time because i've got the i get seasick like when i'm out on a surfboard so i shouldn't be out on a boat for more than 20 minutes but we <laughs> used to go out to two rocks and do a bit of fishing down there and i think they had the big crabs and stuff out there, like the big uh is it Blue Manor? What are the crabs called?
1: They're real. Yeah, yeah. Blue Manor crabs. Yeah, you can get those down in Mandra, which is like um, two hours south of Perth. But um, no, nah, I usually go just off jetties or um, North Mole, which is in Fremantle. I don't know if you remember that spot. Um, those are just like off rocks. Um, those are two like popular spots. And then you can go off Narrows in Perth as well, Narrows Bridge. But um, yeah, I, I'm honestly not that great either. I do it just more for fun and. Probably, like, every time I go fishing, I might be lucky to catch, like, two fish. Um, but I'm not one of those guys that reads into it a whole lot. I just like going and chatting with mates and mucking around a bit, yeah.
0: Yeah. Where are you playing your golf over there? Mate, I wish they would open the golf courses back up over here because you can still go to Bunnings with 400 people
1: around you, but you just yeah. have not on a golf course. Oh, these laws are, like, a bit ridiculous, <laughs> but... um. I, I've played at Wembley once, um, but Fremantle's was like the closest one to me. So I just go to Fremantle public course. Um, but, yeah, again, like golf, it's more – I just enjoy it. I'm not that good. So it's probably good I'm not that good, so I don't spend a whole lot of time on it. Um, and I only ever play nine holes because I'm pretty, like, tired after just playing half a game. So, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, those are the two courses I like playing at. Um, but because of the break, it's so hard to get into courses now. Um, it's like a you have to book like two or three weeks in advance. So I couldn't actually play. I was meant to play today and I couldn't because we missed our booking. Oh. We missed it by a day, yeah, so couldn't play.
0: Oh, bloody thing, man, that's rough. Dude, we've been gone for a while. I'm going to leave you talk, But, mate, oh, it's, good to, uh, it's good to get a chance to – to have a chat to you I've obviously never never met you before but that was a that was an easy one to do so if you're keen bro we'll uh, like as the Olympics open back up and we get closer to that I'd love to touch base with you closer to the time and follow your progress and mate I know I know there'll be hundreds of people listening uh, to the podcast who'd be keen to know more about your progress so if you're keen the offer's open brother I'll reach out to you
1: yeah 100% I'd be happy to do that again alright bro yeah, that, I mean, that was good fun thanks for the insight man yeah, yeah thanks thanks cool. for having me